Yeah, I always marvel. We're in the middle of one of these full-on Saturdays where I did a session in the morning, a session in the afternoon, came over and grabbed a couple of bites to eat in this full-on session. But they're all very profound. We, they are absolutely amazing things just pouring through. And it, I was just saying to Jason, huh, we showed a movie this afternoon, Joe versus the Volcano. There's a scene on top of the volcano, which has got to be the fastest marriage proposal on record. From proposal to fruition, you're married, a bagoda. You're married. And then, then they have to go into what the whole marriage was for. M minutes later, they have to be willing to t hold hands and take a leap and go fully into the love and let go of everything that they know about time and space and jump into a volcano minutes after marrying each other. That's like, that's compressing the whole awakening into like a 10 minute sequence on top of a volcano. And then, tonight we're showing you a movie where that's what this movie has in, con in uh, common with Joe versus the volcano. Because there's going to be a marriage proposal in here that is going to come out of left field, absolutely like a rocket. And, and then the whole movie will show, because all of us know there's something underneath marriage. There's something powerful underneath there. Even though we may not be able to tap into it, we do know there's enormous potential underneath that, underneath that vow. Some, something powerful about that commitment and we want to tap into the fullness of what that really is. And there's some movies that are just masterpieces. This is a, a masterpiece for relationships, for undoing all false concepts of relationships. This comes at it like a like the diamond has many facets. The diamond just keeps getting turned and turned and turned. And you see all these angles that you might have seen in movies your whole life, and now it's all in one movie. It's a masterpiece. We also have, uh, I don't know if you ever saw uh, the, the Family Stone. is a similar one. for undoing all the misperceptions in families in one movie. It's like an, it's like an atomic bomb. If you just turn it on, you think you're going to watch another movie, and then bam, bam, it just hits it from all angles. The self-concept of the family and all the guilt. And it just totally blows it out of the water. Well, this, I like this movie. I call it spicy. This is a spicy movie. Spicy enough to flush up all your beliefs about relationships in one movie. Because <laughs> it's got so many twists and turns and... It just hits you from unexpected angles that you're not expecting, which is what you need to uncover these unconscious beliefs. A lot of people could tell you well, they're afraid of entering into commitment in relationships because of the fear of loss of freedom, personal freedom, the fear of loss of personal control, you know, a fear of compromise. You know, there's lots of things maybe they could tell you on the surface why they're afraid. Or why people get cold feet. Interestingly enough, they, they propose to get married and then as they get closer to the, the marriage vows, 
all kinds of strange things start to happen. They start sweating and chills and fatigue and all kinds of symptoms seem to hit them because there's an underlying fear of what does this mean? What exactly am I committing to? And, and that's where the cold feet come in. This one, yeah, this one's got it all. <laughs> Get ready for a ride. <laughs> it's good. It'll, it will probably leave you with a greater appreciation for relationship and the nuances of it. Because all those things that are protected, that, that the ego would like to protect in a relationship is personal freedom. Jesus says in the Course, what do you want? Freedom of the body or freedom of the mind, for both you cannot have. And yet, freedom of the body is highly cherished. It's a highly cherished belief. And that's why people get cold feet with marriages, because they believe they're going to lose freedom of the body. And then, um, ownership and control, those are major ego um, attachments. And then, relationships tend to flush ownership and control up. Like people get into like a, like a, a compromise game. We'll do it your way this time, but the next time is my way. And, and the ego will set up a compromise game just to protect its own personal will, its belief in a personal will. We'll do it your way, we'll do it my way. Your way, my way. Wait a minute. That, you took my turn. Okay, I'll give you double next time. You know, it, it's always just compromise on top of compromise and compromise. It's very fatiguing. People feel very fatigued when they get into these games in relationships because because it's a drain on the mind to compromise. And salvation is no compromise of any kind. Do you remember this movie? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, very well. I, for those of you who have seen it, if, if you think this can't happen to you, where Ira and Abby get married within five hours of meeting each other, we have many stories of that happening here. Well, actually, we had a couple... Uh, Armel and Eric, many years ago, you might have heard that story where Armel hadn't even met Eric and just kept hearing, you're going to marry Eric. And so she called up David and David was all happy to hear that. And <laughs> like, we love when the Spirit does these kinds of things. Well, the groom was at the monastery yeah. and she was in Kentucky. So she was calling up, sharing her. She, she said, you, you know, I sh we're not supposed to hold on to private thoughts. I said, yeah. She said, well, I think I'm supposed to get married and to who? Eric, have you ever met Eric? No, but I've seen him on the internet. And then... Um, you went and got Eric. Yeah, I asked somebody to go get Eric. So Eric walks into this uh, room, this main house where we are. So I know I've got Armel on the phone with the marriage proposal. Not just a marriage proposal, world tour and marriage. 15 days. You're going to get in married 15, in 15 days. In 15 days. That's what her guidance was even though she hasn't met him. And so Eric's walking in, and he's like, hey, hey. And I said, yeah, it's a phone call for you. So I love to see the face, too, his, just the look on his face. When she worked, first she started off with the world tour idea. Then she said, and then we're, we're supposed to be married. He's like, oh. And then she said, in 15 days. And he's like, 
And he's like looking at me. And then he has the whole encounter with her. And then he reaches a point where he just looked at me after he had hung up, after they'd had their talk, and he said, is this even possible? Could this even be the Holy Spirit, you know? And I said, well, look at St. Francis, how quick St. <laughs> Francis got the guidance. Well, part of it you may be saying, but what happened was we had been working for Eric, with Eric for months to unwind from a bunch of things, and there's something that he had a lot of resistance to doing, which was breaking up with his girlfriend. <laughs> so he gets this marriage proposal while he's got a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. He resisted following the prompt like a week earlier to break up with his girlfriend. So he had a precarious situation of having a marriage proposal and a girlfriend who's not proposing the marriage to him at the same time. And I said, yep, you've got to follow those prompts. Instead of just saying... I think we're done. I'm going in a different direction. He has to say, we're done, and I'm going to get married to somebody else. He has to to explain to his girlfriend that he's getting married, not to her, but to another woman in 15 days. And he hasn't broken up with the girlfriend. So I'm just telling you, some of you think you've walked through difficult situations. (laughs) Just put your feet, put your feet in his shoes for the moment there and realize what not following a prompt can do. And he did follow through with it and they were married in 15 days and his dad came and his sister and rose petals all over this inside of this yurt. Yeah. It was, and it was used for enormous healing for the universe. Because yeah. he had said something to me like, he had already given up his career, he's sold his house, paid off his mortgage, paid off his credit cards, and had heard from me when he said, are you hearing anything for my life's calling? And I said, I said, minstrel. He said, minstrel? What's a minstrel? He didn't even know what a minstrel was. I said, traveling minstrel. That's actually what he's doing right now. Years later, he's down in Arizona, in Phoenix, Arizona, as a, and introducing himself as a minstrel to a metaphysical group a few days ago. But... He just, this is being willing to move with the Spirit, move with the guidance of the Spirit, even if you don't understand the bigger picture of what it's all for. It's all for undoing the ego. That's what everything is for. And yet, there, if you give it over to the Spirit, it can be more of a rapid undoing. Also, when they went on their honeymoon, it happened to be a, a devotional in, uh, in Mallorca, in Spain. And... Um, Eric was sharing his private thoughts, uh, his judgments, and he shared that he thought Armel was fat. To share that the woman that you've just married is fat, to expose that particular private thought on a honeymoon, I'm telling you, these guys are on a, the fast track. They're <laughs> shaking their head like, no, say it isn't so. You guys talk about no private thoughts, but please. I remember telling that parable. I think I was in the Pacific Northwest, and I was just telling the parable, and this woman in the gathering got so enraged <laughs> by the parable. She said, she said, stop. Don't even say this parable. That's terrible. <laughs> you know, but it's all just thoughts. They're all just parables, all for healing the mind. And then that same place, Helena, another friend, 
was to collaborate with Eric on music, just music. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. It's like about flushing up all the deep unconscious. So they're in this joy joining. And Armel got married to Eric, and yet he's collaborating in a very deep way, not breaking his commitments, you know, physically or anything with Armel, but just that joy flushes up all the jealousy that she had. And it's, this, is, this is how this movie goes, yeah, too, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this movie is is how many ways can in the script twist and turn to pop you out of all your expectations of relationships, and when we say pop you out, we're it's not a negative thing. We're, the Holy Spirit wants to pop you into the holy instant, and yet if your mind is so rooted in believing in illusions, then it seems like a like a pop. It seems like a stretch. It seems like there's something. That's that's expanding there, maybe even faster than the ego would like it. Ego wouldn't like it to expand at all, but <laughs> it's it's just going in that other direction, in a, in a fast way. So that's what I like about this movie. I always have a, an affinity for a movie that can help break down pre pre uh, definitions and and judgments where you think you know what something is and you don't really know what it is and you need a little assist from the Holy Spirit to to break it away. So, And then Jason had said, Connie's here, we've got our visitors here and Connie has gone through a lot of relationship things. I know Jack's been over here and you guys have been so transparent. I mean, just even the some of the posts I remember when you guys were splitting up with fantastic transparent posts that were there. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, just letting it be there and then just continuing to fall on, <laughs> not really knowing what's going to happen next. It's the wildest thing. And it's joyful, but it's like a deer in the headlights at the same time. You know, it's like both at the same time. So... Undoing can be a little wacky. I mean, sometimes it feels really wacky, but it feels, you, you know it's right yeah, underneath, but it's like moving fast, and you're like thinking, never in my wildest imagination would I ever experience this. And this is what this movie is. These two, when they, they don't even look like they, they belong together in some ways, and then they kind of intersect. And when they intersect, that just ignites this huge, massive healing that's going to affect their families, it's going to affect everyone around them, but they, they don't really know what's happening. They don't, they don't see it coming. So that's why it's a wacky feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's very wacky. Yeah. <laughs> this, this movie, I feel, touches on a theme that Jesus uses in the Course called complement. I don't know if he says it in the Course. Complementary is in absence from felicity. Right. Complementary ego dynamics. And that's what Eric and Armel were. Eric was very, like almost controlled step back and not and Armel was very impulsive so you put them together to find true spontaneity and in this movie too he's this uh, he's been theor- a theoretical psychologist for like what five or six years in school but has never had a patient whereas she goes around and has one on ones and has amazing encounters with zero training uh, and yet has some unconscious fears that she's still has to deal with. So Jesus puts the two of them together to heal these complementary. Trained psychologists who still, 
has been, who's still in with his therapist. Yeah, 10 years. For 10 years, uh, going over and over with the therapist. And then this spontaneous woman, this free spirit that comes shooting in out of left field, and all of his intellectual constructs are just going to get torpedoed and hit and hit again and again because she's all about the experience and trusting and opening the heart and loving and he's very controlled and he's sitting on a pile of fear and she seems to be threatening. It reminds me a little bit about that movie What About Bob? Some of you ever seen What About Bob? With Richard Dreyfuss, the one who's the famous, wrote a book and Good Morning America and knows all the answers and he's a little Freud puppet. And then Bob, <laughs> my gosh, is, uh, what's his name? Um, the Bill, actor, Murray. Bill Murray. Plays this impulsive um, client that just is unraveling the therapist at every turn. Who is the patient? And who is the therapist is the is kind of the key. So in, it's good in this. You get to really see the dynamics of how the Holy Spirit uses relationships, I think, kind of in an extreme, fast way. Because oftentimes it's very mysterious. Like, what what is the Holy Spirit trying to do here with these relationships? It's pretty evident in this movie. Yeah. So, are we ready? Ready. Ready to roll? So this gives you a, a little bit of an idea about how the Holy Spirit has to work because he has a lot of hesitation. And you know they always talk about the, the paralysis of analysis. The intellectual mind can get so bent on analyzing options of the world that it actually is like the... We were just talking about the doe in headlights, the deer looking... It just like freezes because there's too many options. And some of you might have had a bit of that experience if you go into a restaurant you really like and it has a big menu. And you sit there and you go, uh-oh, it's too many good choices here and you just freeze. And this intellectualizing and this analysis is definitely a, a defense against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never analyzes. The Holy Spirit always just offers clear, straightforward, immediate guidance. And there's never an, an analysis of options. It's just what's given. And now the flip side, I'd say, with Abby, is just what Jason was mentioning about Eric and Armel coming together. When you have hesitation and a lot of layers of denial and defense against the Holy Spirit, and then you bring in impulsivity, that's like the opposite of this analysis and hesitation. It's just very fast, but it often is ego-driven. And, and it's, the ego is very impulsive. It's not really spontaneous, which would be following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's like the middle road. So the Spirit will often send us people in our lives that tend to be, to do a lot of intense mirroring just so we can get the lesson of what's going on in our mind. Like we wouldn't notice it even. We just think that's just the way I am. And then you come up against somebody who's mirroring something that's so different, then that is actually helpful. And if the Holy Spirit really thinks it's helpful, he'll have you get married. So you have that mirroring going on on a daily basis, kind of like unwinding. I just want to be inspired. Yeah. Spontaneous. Yeah. Question is, 
is uh, how do you tell the difference between impulsivity and the guidance that feels very spontaneous? Yeah, that, that does take a lot of discernment, but certainly you can always know by how you feel. When you're being guided by the Holy Spirit, it's very quick and spontaneous, and you have this bursting joy. You just are carried in this joy. Ego impulsivity will also, because it's coming from the ego, it will bring along the emotions of the ego. So it may have a little buzz. You may get a buzz. Like, whoo, fast, fast, fast. Look at me. I'm making all these moves. And then let's say you make a commitment to have lunch with somebody, and then you go home and you go, I don't even like that person. And now they're, they're, I'm having lunch with them, you know. <laughs> You've just stepped into a puddle of impulsivity and you don't even know why you did it. You know, you're actually dreading what you committed to because it was such an impulsive decision. Yeah. Not joyful. Not joyful. It just sprung out. And impulsivity is a defense against the holy instant as well as hesitation and analysis. You see, they're both defenses. Like with Bill and Helen, the, the scribe of the course... Um, Helen Shuckman, she she could join with Jesus very much, but she had intense projections that would come where she would get so angry and so she would swing so much from the miracle into these intense emotions, really like a split mind, um, from being so helpful and joyful and, and then into this intense rage. And Bill was more, he's more easygoing, and he was more even keel. But the reason he was even keel, because he was in such big denial. He was not really in touch with his emotions. And Helen was. Oh, she was really in touch. But they were like, she was like bipolar. She would swing from miracle way into rage and all kinds of other things. Envy, jealousy, whatever. Bill was in denial, but when they came together... Her strength in mind drew him out of his repression and denial. And his even keelness helped stabilize her wild swings. So, in fact, that's what we call complementary ego dynamics, where Jesus had them two come together. We do learn that they were together in many lifetimes previous, and that Bill was Helen's teacher for many lifetimes. And in this particular lifetime, Jesus was going to use the ego dynamics to stabilize them both so that they could complete an assignment together. And that assignment was A Course in Miracles. So there's, there's definitely a lot going on beyond what meets the eye when any people are brought together for the Holy Spirit's purpose. There's a lot of dynamics. We could tell you about living in community. We could write, write a book on all the dynamics that have been used over the years. So the ship kept sailing. The ship didn't sink, but we had some bumpy, bumpy rides, which that's the way it goes, you know, but it's all for, for healing. Okay, here we go. How do you handle problems? What's the mindset? He's out there furious and fuming, and she says, you've been great. Thank you, we've got to go. She's giving the thank you, gracias, and he's raging over the same event. And that's where the healing takes place. You know, it starts to be that there's a, a 
a different way of looking at things based on your mindset. So she's obviously the way she's coming at things. She feels gratitude for as far as they got in the car. <laughs> he feels furious that they've been waiting there for so many minutes and it hasn't been to go. So it's it's based on your unconscious beliefs and your expectations. And that's what these relationships are for, the undoing of expectations, which are always egoic. The Holy Spirit doesn't have any expectations. They're always just ego expectations shooting up into awareness from the unconscious and giving the mind another opportunity to forgive, to release. Okay, I just wanted to say right before they speak, because I feel like this is an important turning point. You see, like, people come into the community, even if I think of myself, in the beginning years, David just, like, launched me on these tours, and it was just like a flurry of joy and activities, and I felt like I built the ministry, even though I wasn't here first. It was like all my mind or something. Like, wow, this is my home. And it was like the Spirit building all this confidence so that you knew that when the deeper stuff was coming... You wouldn't run. And so they've just built all this joy together and consistency now for what this therapist is going to reflect back. Oh, there's something deeper coming. And don't make any conclusions about it. But it was all for this, to really heal the deeper stuff. So. You're getting at the depth of it. These private thoughts, these secrets, these things that torment the mind they have a lot of guilt and pain with them and then the mind becomes so accustomed to these ego thoughts, this train of thoughts, that the mind just goes into time. Like, I'll grin and bear it. I'll, I'll wait, as he said. Like, somehow you get, what, brownie points for sticking with something when your heart's not in it? It's not how God thinks. God wants to be openly revealed and God wants nothing to block the light in the mind. So these secrets that are seemingly part of interpersonal relationships and all this protectionism and, and lying and, and covering up things and, and dancing around things and avoiding things, it's just a game of guilt. It's a very deep game of guilt. And then the mind tricks itself, I was talking about this earlier, where if you believe in an external world, the mind says, well, it's different. It's different thinking the things than acting upon them. There's a belief that there's a lot of difference between thinking about an affair and having an affair. Thinking about murdering someone is not equivalent to murdering someone. The acting out is worse, seemingly worse. But not to Jesus. Jesus knows that the, it's the erroneous, the stinking thinking, they call it in 12-step program. That's the problem. It's at the thought level. It's at the mind level. Things in the form, when you see something happen, like he, Ira saw you know, his, his mother and her father kiss at, at the second wedding, that's not the, an external trigger, that's a projection of thoughts in the mind. There's nothing external really happening, it's just that the mind that's asleep and dreaming in this world has a thinking addiction. It's, it's addicted to ego thinking. 
And as long as it's addicted to ego thinking, it's addicted to guilt. It doesn't matter how it tries to cover it, distract away, whether it's drinking, acting out, fantasies. You saw Ira was so triggered by what he saw at the second wedding that now he's, he, he had that act, a dream, like a nightmare, acting out of her kissing everyone and her exes showing up. You know, it's, it's just the fear in the mind run amok and then the fantasies are the world and dreams and anything that's generated from those thoughts. And there is no solution at the level of form. There is no amends that are made at the level of form. People can say they're sorry, that can be a nice gesture, but we, we really have to come to realize that we, it's a mental addiction. It's, it's mental illness. <laughs> that the human condition is mental illness. And that's why guidance is so important, because guidance is judgmental too. Go here, call so-and-so, go visit so-and-so, go to that movie gathering, or speak up, call so-and-so and tell them, tell them what you need to tell them, expose, spill the beans, be transparent. You know, this is the Holy Spirit prompting, 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 prompting the mind to follow its guidance, the Holy Spirit's guidance, and to unwind the mind from this guilt. And what does that unwinding mean except to get back so deep in the mind that you realize that those ego thoughts that you thought you thought weren't really your real thoughts. Because you're not the ego. You have to get unwound from this belief of being an ego and being identified with the thoughts. The mind that's asleep gets very identified with the body that it calls itself, part of the mask. But it's really identified with the thoughts that are moving through the mind, even more so than the body. And so, that's where the guilt gets generated, and that's why Jesus is always coaching us to bring our thoughts and beliefs up to the light, to give them back to the Holy Spirit, and let them be shown away in the light, dissolve, disappear in the light. That's the only solution to this guilt addiction. So, this is really a great movie because you can see from the very first frames of the movie when he's in there talking to his therapist about his stream of consciousness of judgments of the people at the ATM and basically I hate everybody, stream of consciousness of hatred. And then the psychotherapist ends, ends the therapy uh, relationship and then he meets Abby, he, he starts to pour things out upon invitation. She says, oh, tell me, tell me what you see in me. And he pours it all out pretty telepathically. And she said, marry me. And that just starts the invitation to use relationships to start to say, where am I uncomfortable in relationships? Where do I feel tension? Where do I feel anxiety? Where am I afraid of rejection? Where am I afraid of betrayal? You know, you really can start to see that the relationships are just the screen of the world acting out all of the motion picture of your thoughts. And thank goodness that even the unconscious thoughts and beliefs are acted out on the screen of the world. That's how you actually get better access to your unconscious mind 
because what's playing right on your screen, whatever you're perceiving, is is what you believe in. You believe it and then you perceive it. Projection makes perception. And it's not really out there. You're just, everything you perceive in the world is what you believe in your mind. Anything in this world that you have any difficulty with, that you have irritation, annoyance, a reaction to, you get a little emotional rise about, those are all tremendous opportunities for healing and forgiveness because you're just witnessing your consciousness. The world is the acting out of consciousness. That's why we watch movies. Because it goes faster for us when we watch the movies. You, this movie may be uh, associated with some feelings that are coming up. Maybe what you perceive as deception is uncomfortable. You notice uncomfortable feelings, some kind of a low-grade anxiety or nervousness that starts to come in when you perceive deception. But Jesus is saying, if you perceive a world at all with separate persons and separate minds and all these interactions, you're deceived. You're already in hell <laughs> if you're perceiving all this fragmentation. And then that's why these movies and these relationships are a speed up for us to clear the, the map of consciousness, to clear the screen of consciousness faster once you start to realize what's, what's happening. You don't have to just succumb and say, oh well, I'm at the mercy of my crazy mind. You know, even Jason Alexander in here, you know, he's got his, <laughs> oh, it's so mysterious. We're supposed to write books and know about relationships. <laughs> you know, almost like something coming through and going, right. Like, as if we, they're aware that they don't have the answers. They, they're aware, you know, that's his way of releasing a little steam. But it's, it's quite profound. So here we go. It's, it's getting, uh, it's, I think it's going to pop. <laughs> but, but that's what happens when you believe that secrets can be hep, held and kept inside. It just creates a pressure. And then something's got to give. That was the old Nicholson movie. Something's got to give. Something has to pop. And then that's the beginning of the healing, is when things start to pop and be brought out into the open, no longer to be held as secrets. So, this is the fear of exposing private thoughts. The fear. This is what's in there. This is why people want to hold on to secrets and fear exposing, because they feel it will only get worse. And the ego uses this to what? To keep you into denial and repression. It doesn't want you to expose any thoughts at all. Just keep them stuffed and pushed down and buried. Because if you start getting with your, in touch with your thoughts and your feelings, then perhaps you might get in touch with the beliefs that are underneath those thoughts and feelings. And the ego doesn't want you to get in touch with your beliefs. Because if you release those beliefs that produce those thoughts and feelings, you release the ego. And remember that you are one in spirit. 
So that's the dynamics of why repression and denial and why the ego is always saying, don't be transparent, it's just going to come back on you. If you open up, if you're transparent, if you start to release these thoughts, the only way, reason we have expression sessions is if you find that you've given it over to the Holy Spirit and yet it keeps coming back, like you haven't really given it to the Holy Spirit, maybe you need to really demonstrate that you are giving this over to the Holy Spirit by being able to share it without fear of repercussion, with trust and faith in turning it over. So really when you look at this, this is like, this movie is like an expose on how to keep the ego. And this whole session where they all got in a circle, that's the, that's the greatest fear. Like, if I expose the thoughts, I'll lose the ones that I love. All hell will break loose. Everything will be chaos if I'm transparent. That's the belief in the mind. Everything will be chaos if I'm transparent. And the Holy Spirit's saying, no, everything will be love if you're transparent. Because as you're transparent, you, you feel better about exposing and releasing. You actually see that's a movement towards healing and wholeness, not towards further alienation. And that hiding private thoughts doesn't release them. You don't protect and expect them to be gone. You have to expose and, and realize that they will be gone. There's a great line uh, in uh, the movie Simone at the end where the whole uh, trick of that uh, her father has been doing with Simone and pretending and so on and so forth he starts to just pour it all out and exposes all the lies, all the lies that he's, he's been engaged in. And, and his daughter says, we're fine with fake dead, just don't lie about it. And that's what Jesus and the Holy Spirit are saying in your mind, we're fine with fake. We're aware of these crazy thoughts, we're aware of this crazy guilt addiction, we're we're fine with fake. Just don't lie about it. Don't hide it. From this point on, don't think that you're protecting yourself by hiding and suppressing and repressing. That never brings about healing. It's better to have a good cry. It's better to crack open and just speak the thoughts. If you, if you give them to the Holy Spirit and they, they stay with you, it's better to speak up and crack open and have those emotions that are bottled up too, let them come as well. And that gets you to go inward. And you don't have to worry about these nightmare scenarios, because sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. It just seems to be worse, but it's actually what is needed. And we'll see as we watch the end of this movie, what happens to Ira and Abby after this free-for-all therapy session here. Ah, these healing movies. <laughs> yeah, they are helpful. They do give you a, more of a, a direct 
idea of what it means to move towards holy relationship, which is simply a state of non-judgment. That's all holy relationship is. Jesus tells us in A Course in Miracles, without judgment, all things are equally acceptable. Wow, that's a nice one. Without judgment, all things are equally acceptable. That's speaking of a higher state of mind. All things work together for good. There are no exceptions. It's the willingness to behold the dance, the happy dance, where you start to see everything is part of your mind, and nothing is external, and nothing is amiss, and nothing is out of place. Everything is in divine order. And that, that takes a lot of mind training. Happily, it only takes an instant. But still, it takes the willingness to move in the direction of that instant. Of the, of the holy instant, actually. And it's good to see these things acted out, because that, that's all part of expanding the mind. More and more and more, to get to that point where you can accept everything without compromise. To be so in your right mind that everything you think and say and do and feel and perceive are all in alignment. Everything. That's where the peace of mind comes in. Nothing is out of place. In alignment, everything is openly exposed and revealed. Everything is openly in alignment. So, you know, a lot of us have grown up with the idea of integrity. We all have our own definitions of integrity. A lot of times we will have lines like, say what you mean and mean what you say and, and let your behaviors demonstrate your words. If you give your word to somebody, then may your behaviors back it up. Or even having integrity with your thoughts. Everything I think and say and do is in alignment and harmony. How about everything I think and say and do and feel in alignment? You see how high this integrity has to go? Because even if your feelings aren't in alignment and you're acting a certain way, or you're, you're acting as you should act, or you're trying to think what you should think. Oh, I'm going to do this affirmation. I, I should think this. I should think positive. Until the mind comes into complete alignment in all the levels, then there's going to be healing needed. But is there anything else you would put your, your energy into? If you knew that that was the gateway to peace of mind, wouldn't you give everything you've got? to that integrity. A lot of times I'll, people, I'll hear people say, well, he was angry or she was angry, but they at least were honest about it. But actually, that's not even accurate because you get to A Course in Miracles and the honesty isn't just exposing the thoughts and the feelings. The honesty actually comes from the alignment. Honesty and integrity go together. 
And so Jesus has a different definition of honesty than most psychotherapists, than most healers, most counselors. And his definition of honesty is consistency. And once you begin to see that the only way to be honest is to be consistent, and you can only be consistently in alignment with God because everything else the attempt to follow the ego is going to be inconsistent because it's not who you are. So to be consistently happy, consistently peaceful, consistently joyful means you have to have consistency within your mind. All the seeming levels of consciousness have to line up. You have to be in total perfect alignment in order to be honest. That's the second characteristic of a teacher of God after trust. Today was trust day. We were talking all morning and afternoon about trust. And here we come back to trust, but also the consistency of, of a mind that is purified from deception, from self-deception. A mind that lines up with the truth of it, of truth of itself. So that's really why we have all these uh, movie gatherings on Saturday night because of the purpose underneath, because of this holy purpose of, of alignment, of really coming to that perfect alignment. And it's not only possible, but it's inevitable. So it's nice to think of that too. You're not attempting the impossible, you're just attempting to move in the direction of the inevitable. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. Whew. <laughs> so we have a microphone somewhere, yeah? Jen has a microphone. If anybody would like to share anything or share what your experiences were with uh, the movie. Carolina. Yeah, I just noticed uh, this pattern of mine came up wanting everything to be flowing good and perfect when I was watching how they're having all this all those problems or whatever you know cheating blah 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 just and, and making a problem out of it and I am making a problem out of that they do. <laughs> and it's like, why can't they just get over it? This is what's going on in my mind. And then it's like, why can't I can't get over it? Why I have to react this way? Why I have to be fed up with that? So it's just, it feels like a tension inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's probably, also it's probably part of just not being aware. You know, the human condition is the state of ignorance. So you seem to be born into this world and you have parents or like you have a sister and so on and so forth. And then as you grow up as a child in these memories and experiences of this world, parents will say things like, behave, just behave. You see how that's 
going right to the effect. Like, I do not like the outcome of your behaviors. That is not, I have, that is not acceptable for a child of mine to behave that way. And then, of course, oftentimes, that, of course, doesn't take into emotions. It doesn't take into account the thoughts. Imagine how different it would be. It's like, what are you feeling right now? <laughs> Instead of behave. Or go to your room. <laughs> Let's sit down and talk. What are you... Oh, honey, come here. Put your head on my shoulder. What are you... What are you feeling? Oh, I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm hurt. Why? Well, I think... Da, 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 da. Oh, you're just holding on to some ego thoughts there. <laughs> Let's just hug and hold each other and pray that the Holy Spirit take those thoughts away instead of behave. Go to your room. You, know, you see, the focus is on the behavior. Those are our role models. That's the way we came to this world, believing we're an ego, and we set it up so that even the problem-solving mechanisms were all twisted, all focused on behavior, you know. We were having a good laugh the other day because um, a, a dear friend of mine from China, um, he had written to Francis and he has had a girlfriend for some time, which is a big thing for him. Of course, over in China, there's a lot more men and boys than there are women. So it was a big deal to have a girlfriend. And the girlfriend finally just wrote out on a paper like, I will stay your girlfriend if you meet these conditions. And there was like a whole row of conditions. And Francis and I were laughing like, whoa, must be a big shortage over there. <laughs> the girlfriend's lay, laying out the conditions. You, ha you have to do certain things. And it was all kinds of, of different conditions that he had to meet. And uh, so he did counter the proposal with... A, two or three of his own. It was a bold move <laughs> to put out a few conditions. That could be the deal breaker right there, an amendment <laughs> to the conditions. But, but we were just saying, wow, the pressure on, that's, that's, that's what's required to even have a relationship. But in terms of behavior, that's where the frustration comes in. When you watch a movie and you just think, why can't people just behave? Why can't they just flow and be smooth? And wouldn't it be a much better world if everybody just behaved? But then you have to start to think, how did that world even get there? Why am I perceiving this world? And do the thoughts in my consciousness have anything to do with the world I'm perceiving? That's another belief we have, is that we're a person, we have private thoughts, and that the external world has no connection whatsoever with our private thoughts. We have our own little private mind and it's just whirling away, doing its things and the external world is huge, vast and it has nothing to do with our thoughts. And the Course in Miracles, the mind training is, you know, one of the early lessons is my thoughts are images that I have made. My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. He's, Jesus is making a direct connection between the thoughts that you think you think and the world that you think you see. An absolute direct connection. He will even go so far as to saying they're absolutely the same. They're not even... Those thoughts, the images of the world aren't mirroring your consciousness. 
They are your consciousness. The world you perceive is what you believe, what you've learned. And it's not external in any sense of the word. You are just perceiving your thoughts. And if you don't like what you're perceiving, then Jesus says, then give them up. That's lesson number 23. I can escape from the world I see by giving up attack thoughts. Just straight, direct. So that's what the mind training does for you is you start to notice, oh, I'm uncomfortable, these wacky people, everybody's it looks kind of like a nice little romantic story going and then wacky, 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 everybody starts cheating, everybody's behind everybody's back. And if it's disturbing, then that means that there are thoughts that are still held to be true that are disturbing and that do need to be released. So you see how that's 100% total responsibility for everything, state of mind. That was the workbook lesson the other day for those of you that do it by the calendar year, lesson 152. The power of decision is my own. And basically he says in there that everything that you perceive is the result of your decision. And then he says you may believe that this is too extreme to be the truth. <laughs> he throws it right out like you may think this is too radical. Too radical. And he says, no, but truth can have no exceptions. That's exactly, he's saying that this is what's going on and this is the way to stop it. By the power of your own mind, by the power of decision, you can stop the distortion. Because you were created by God and you can always return to that pristine awareness, that pristine mind that's free of judgment, that actually has no judgment at all. That's what to aim for. You know, that's what, you remember, whenever you see a movie like this and you're all stirred up, just remember, okay, just another mind training exercise here for me. Yeah, I was actually praying a lot during that movie. Just just saying, give it to me straight. What is my problem here? I, I want to release that. I'm not sure what's my problem. So, you know, what I hear is I can't really release something that I don't know it's there. So I'm like, give it to me straight. Like, don't molico it. Just, just, I want to, you know, use this opportunity. I want to use it now. You know, if not now, then where, when. So, but it's just not really clear still. It's like only this kind of, this, it's foggy. So I, mm. I'm not really sure what to do with that. Yeah. Well, that's why we have those tools. Laverne is just two seats over and she's doing Spiri sessions with people all over the world and occasionally live sessions where they, they, they start out with a problem, a perceived problem, and then they, Spiri will work it in. In fact, I, there's a gentleman who is on our online retreat right now. We've gone through, what is it? We've gone through three sessions now. And... He wrote in like two and a half or three pages of a question. I mean, the other questions were like there, there, there. Then I'm like, oh, oh. And the whole thing was he was talking about his traumatic life and the crazy weird ways he was treated by his parents and abandoned and, and all kinds of wacky things that 
now he basically feels like he's completely dysfunctional and he has huge amounts of fear that he's gone to psychologists and worked with psychiatrists and worked with special trainers and he's had no way to to begin to dissipate this fear. And he's writing in to to me, I saw the question, it was huge, but he was saying, listen, uh, there's only two that I trust and that's the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And I trust no one and nothing else. But I've heard that David hears Jesus' voice. So I've signed up <laughs> for this online retreat as my last hope, desperate hope. And, and he did uh, just make a comment that he just started to work Spiri. And he is so happy because he's actually, nothing else in his entire life has worked to dissipate the fear. But through repeatedly now just giving himself over to Spiri, he just wrote to me today, he just said, I actually have hope that I'm going to be able to dissolve this intense fear. It's just always so super, super intense. So that was a beautiful testimony again today of just, we have those basic processes, the basic steps of forgiveness, and then you put it in, a, in an interactive way where you can just, okay, what are you feeling and how are you? And start off with the most basic question of how are you and then work it down into a point of decision where you actually see, you, you decide how you feel and you decide how you think and you decide how you experience the world. And you're making those decisions moment by moment, even if you're not aware of it, even if you have unconscious decisions. And that's an interesting idea. What's an unconscious decision? It's a belief. A belief is an unconscious decision that has not been raised to awareness. What does that mean? It means that the person that you think you are is like a little robot on the surface of consciousness and whatever it's thinking and saying and doing and acting, it's acting out robotically the beliefs that are in the unconscious mind. And so until you raise that unconscious mind to the surface, you're not making, you're not fully making conscious decisions. There's something else, an imposter is underneath running the show. And you may think you have free will as a person. You can decide where you're going to go and what you're going to do and who you're going to be with. Nope, it's all part of a prearranged script and all those interactions that are happening on the surface are just reverberations and reflections of unconscious beliefs. And that's why there's no freedom of the body. The body is just like a a puppet that's acting out everything that's believed underneath. Now that can sound a little scary, especially if you're into freedom. <laughs> like, where's my free choice in this? Oh, it's not free. It's enslaved is a better word. Some of you know how I love to use the matrix to teach with. And there's one point in the matrix when when Neo comes together with Morpheus and before Morpheus tells Neo, you are the one, he tells him something very important. He tells Neo, you are a slave. 
A slave is part of a system that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Morpheus is describing to Neo the ego. The ego in the matrix. Before he says he's the one. Before he prophesies and says you are the one. He first tells him you are enslaved. And that's why Jesus spends so much time in the course talking about this mental enslavement. Because he's not, you're not enslaved physically. The, the body's just acting out the enslavement. It's a mental enslavement to a crazy death wish. That's what it is. And until you pull, break free from that death wish, then you just watch things like we watched. Secrets, lies, killing, being killed, you know, all the, the struggles of the human condition just, just acted out. Anybody else? We've, we've got a live mic with Jen. Just kind of similar to what you were talking about, but what it really triggers for me is even though everything happens for a reason, but I I feel really triggered when I see people make choices that hurt other people. To me, that feels very real, you know? Yeah. To make poor choices that hurt other people for, that are what I'm perceiving as selfish or self-gratification, you know, like p pleasure, cheating yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just whatever you can suggest to undo my ego there. <laughs> yeah, it's, what's, it's like there's these layers. There's two beliefs I can see. One is that, that people can hurt other people. That's, that's a common belief. Not true, but it's a belief. And then, and then, other than that, there's this belief that, that people decide. So in other words, it's not, a decision is not in the mind, that people actually decide. They have their own little private minds, each person has their own private mind and their own private thoughts, and their own private little decision-making mechanism. So, they're out there, and then they can use their private little decision-making mechanisms to harm other private minds. You see, that's actually what the belief is underneath it all. And then the idea that there's only one of us, that there's only one mind, seems like so vast. Like, it's just so different, opposite of everything that's believed. And that that's closer to the truth. That's actually a reflection that there's one unified mind that's deciding. But that's why accepting the atonement or the correction in the mind is so important. And Jesus says in the Course, when I awoke, you were with me. So he's, he's loosening from this idea that I made it, I made it home. You didn't. <laughs> like he says, we are the same in every way, except in, in time. In other words, you believe time's real, and I don't. <laughs> We're the same, really. But one thing different, you believe in time, and I don't. So, the way you have to do it is, I think, just, you first start off with the, the emotions. If you, feel, if you watch these things and you feel uncomfortable, it's very similar to what Carolina was saying, you know, 
just watching this and all this lying and cheating and hiding and everything. Those, that's just because it's reflecting defense mechanisms. And to the extent that you're still identified with any de defense mechanisms, then witnessing defense mechanisms will bother you. And to the extent you don't identify or use ego defense mechanisms, you won't be bothered at all. Jesus really wasn't bothered by all that seemed to be surrounding him. He was very at peace because he wasn't engaging in the ego or engaging in any kind of defense mechanisms. And so it's that mirroring again. What you're perceiving is mirroring something that still is in play. And that's disturbing. That's like, uh-oh, that's getting too close to home here. You know, that's what's going on at a deeper level. Yeah. Thank you. And I think Anne in the front. Okay, thank you. I hope she hadn't seen me then, but she... <laughs> <laughs> I got it out of the corner of my eye. Yeah, because I, yeah, I'm really frightened of exposing this, yeah. and it's like I've got to go for it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how or why I'm putting these two things together, but there was um, he talked about to one of the therapists, there were that many, I don't know which one, um, about jealousy and. I see a lot of jealousy in myself coming up here that I was never aware of, really strong and releasing, releasing. But the scene that um, really affected me um, was when he had that dream about her being on the, the train. So and Yeah, and I'm so attracted to that kind of fantasy in my own mind, and I don't want to expose that, but, um, yeah... You know, being her, mm -hmm. not like him watching or, or thinking about it. Um, so I don't know. I just needed to expose that. So I don't know. If yeah. 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 It's not uncommon that if, if one of the defenses has been kind of more of a, a denial or a repression in terms of sexual expression, that to see something that's so far in the opposite direction, the mind can almost seem to be gleeful, like, look at her go, you know, kind of a feeling, because that's the way defenses are. If They're always done with an attempt to mm -hmm. kind of change or minimize something, and so it, it can be like trying to flip the other way on those things. Yeah, there's, there is that. Um, but um, I spent a lot of years drinking and alcoholism, and I would act out those kinds of behaviours, not quite as strong as that or anything, but, yeah. And I just want to, yeah. Yeah, just start to expose and release, you know, anything that isn't, yeah, isn't loving. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus, he will actually do that in the Course where he... He will put them all in the same sentence where he'll say something like, fantasies imagined or acted out. Again, the mind makes a distinction. The mind says, well, there's a big deal between fantasies that are imagined 
and those that are acted out. And Jesus is saying, you know, he puts them all in the same sentences that are imagined or acted out. Because why? Because they're all the same. And that's why it's a mental problem. It's, it's the thoughts and the imagination. That's why it's a purification of consciousness. Not about trying to refrain, restrain yourself or, you know, how we were told behavior. Everything was an emphasis on behavior. Be a good boy. Be a good girl. You know, it's okay to think things, but don't act them out. You know, that belief is just heavily reinforced. And now we're on a metaphysical system where Jesus is saying, no, there's no difference between the thoughts you think you think and those fantasies that seem to be imagined or even in your imagination or if you actually perceive it as happening in the world, that's the acting out. He's saying, no, no, it's all the same. So that's what's so good about A Course in Miracles. It is actually a, a program of training your mind to release attack thoughts and to have a change in your entire perception based on changing your mind. That is a tough pill for the ego to swallow. I remember uh, some of you know Frank. You met Frank. Frank told me he was at a lecture one time and uh, he was there and he was listening to Marianne Williamson lecture and it started off with Course in Miracles and Course in Miracles and then all of a sudden it started to get a little more political and a little more political, a little more strong and angry and finally it's like, we need to take action! <laughs> you know, it was like really... And Frank was just like watching going, whoa, 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 what's happening here? I, I was in A Course in Miracles and, and um, somebody from the audience did bring it up and say, but how does that apply to taking a stand against this or this? And he said, Marianne just said, you have to. That was it. You have to. So there's, that's part of an unconscious belief that there really is an external world, there really is external mistreatment happening, there really is good and evil. And a really is, let's take a stand on the side of the good against the evil. And when you go into the teachings of the Course, that doesn't hold any water. You cannot perceive that there is evil, an evil tyrant, an evil politician, an evil action or whatever, without feeling the, that there's, there's guilt underneath. That, that perception of a problem as being external or political is a projection of guilt. But that can be so deeply ingrained, it's like, that's just the way it is. And some of us had that with our parents too, you know, you'd try to get into a discussion with your parents. Well, I'll tell you, this is the way it is. I beg to differ. Well, this is my house, and under my house, these are the way the perceptions are going. <laughs> you can just take those differing perceptions and just move along outside of the house. But in my house, this perception reigns, you know, that, or this belief reigns. And Again, we're used to growing up with those experiences that, that somehow people can exclude or can, can say, get out. Um, and I never want to see you again and everything based on certain beliefs. That 
beliefs can tear families apart, can tear relationships apart. But it was the beliefs that generated the relationships in the family in the first place. <laughs> you know, the, they're just all projections of beliefs in the mind. They're not tearing anything apart. They're they're doing the projecting of the very relationships. So that you see, it's it goes very deep. But that's why we're here all talking about this because it takes practice before you start to really have an experience of like, holy moly, my mind is powerful. You know, it, you start to come stronger and stronger into your power when you start to realize it's, first of all, that it's all thoughts and that you're not those unreal thoughts. Because if you identify with those guilty thoughts or those attack thoughts, then that just makes you feel more guilty. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for exposing that. Thank you. Yeah, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just the anticipation of this hard. It wasn't that hard at all. <laughs> oh, beautiful. There are so many things that are popping up in my mind right now in terms of all my beliefs that are showing up. And um, one of the things that shows up and that's been showing up actually this last few days is that you know there's this belief that says in the world and I believe that obviously that's why it's showing up you know no pain no gain and this belief that says you know delayed gratification is a good thing and you know you go to college and you go to school and you work out real hard and so that one day you will get the reward of a degree or a career or a house or all the comforts and safety that the world has to offer. But the teachings of the Course is saying happiness and safety and all of that defenselessness is now. Happiness is now. And these last few days, I think, I'm beginning to see how I am seeing the happiness more and more, but there are some moments where I can tell the mind wants to convince me that no, you're a person, you do not deserve to be happy. Show something that you accomplished that you even can prove why you deserve this kind of happiness and peace that you feel right now. What did you do? What did you say? What can you show that will make you truly believe that this happiness that you feel is real? Prove it. And it's looking for it in form. And I know I, before I joined community, there was a couple of talks, but one in particular that I listened to a lot where you said, you know, people say, yeah, everything in the past brought me where I am. Wow, I mean, I, I, I got that intellectually that that's not true. But I couldn't fully sit with it. And I feel like I'm exercising it right now as I'm saying it. Because, you know, there's a Filipino saying that says, unless you look at where you came from, you will never get to where you're going. Which is, of course, about as committed to guilt as it could ever come. Because then that means everything that anybody showed up in my life for. And I used to believe, oh, you know, all the sufferings I went through and all the joy that I went through. No, I, I, I got here 
this happy place because of all of that, which is really screwed up. I get that. But, but the other thing that really occurred for me, which I know I'm saying it for my own benefit, just so I can hear it, is that everything that happened then was just a reflection of where my mind was. It wasn't what brought me to where I am. I see these reflections of happiness, defenselessness, devotion, because this is where my mind is at. It's not because I was birthed by a mother and I went through what I went through in childhood. No. I came here on this planet because I wanted to believe in victimization. I wanted to believe in death. So, of course, I'm going to create a story that says, I was a child. I was a daughter. I was a wife once. I needed a job in a bank account in order to be safe. That's who I am. And it takes a lot to really just be in that space and say that it's not true. And I want to look back in the past and say that something in the past brought me here. It's false. It's absolutely false. Because as a child of God, there is no time. There is no love in time. There never was. Yeah, thank you, thank you for sharing that. Because we talked uh, on our uh, last um, Sunday show about um, Jesus makes the correction from the bottom up, not a top-down Meaning everything that is believed, everything that is thought and perceived has to be exposed and raised up to the light. The light doesn't come into your mind or into the world like a, on a search and destroy mission to wipe out the darkness. It's like the darkness has to be exposed piece by piece voluntarily so that it may be raised up to the light and disappear. And uh, when you were talking about, you know, that nothing from the past brought you to here, but like we talk about choice and the power of choice, the power of decision, everything's a present decision. I reminded me of that happened within the last week or week and a half of uh, Kim Carterson's, Carterson's uh, husband, Kenya West, said, slavery is a choice. Well, that lit social media up like a wildfire. A black man going on whatever, Twitter or whatever, and proclaiming slavery is a choice. We talked about how you could do a whole show around <laughs> around, around that one. Jason's bottom-up bottom show of current events. But, but that's the kind of thing we're looking to do is... is Look at those beliefs, which are even mainstream beliefs and everything, and then, and then pull it back into what we're learning from Jesus in the Course. And do it step by step too. Don't try to just gloss over the thing. Because like you're saying, it's so deeply ingrained, this idea that the past causes the present, which then causes the future. It's like causations on a timeline with the starting off with the past and aiming more towards the future 
And we have not been educated to believe in the power of now. We have not been educated to believe in the power of the mind and the power of decision. That's what the mind training of A Course in Miracles literally is. It's like a re-education. It's like saying, okay, here's what you learned and now here's the way it is. <laughs> and, and it doesn't even resemble the way it is, is nothing like what was learned. So I'm glad you're bringing that up because that's, that's why we're here to support one another as Mighty Companions to help reinforce the power of the mind, that no one is a victim, that the mind chooses. And there's just such rage and anger. I know this, that was a little while back and then more recently Roseanne Barr making her posts on Twitter and then uh, her show getting cancelled and so on and so forth and then uh, I think a late night talk show host came out and said, uh, hey people, stop this, stop all this anger. Roseanne needs our help, she needs compassion and she needs our help. And the rage <laughs> that went on to Jimmy Kimball <laughs> for, for asking for compassion and help for Roseanne was even more intense than the rage <laughs> on Roseanne. I mean, the ego has to, the ego says no guilt must be punished. And so the ego will label something as wrong, racist, guilty, guilty, and then it demands that all the punishment rain down on the head of the, the, the target of the, the one. And, and it's so opposite to, to the seeing a call for love and extending a call sending the love in, in a, for a call for love. You know, you can see how the ego's view of things and the Holy Spirit's are just, they don't meet at all. One is very dark and meant to reinforce guilt and the other is very light and joyful and there's no placement of guilt whatsoever. But the ego cannot stand that idea of guiltlessness. That's one thing. It really gets stirred up about innocence and guiltlessness, it's, it's very strong. So that's what we're dealing with, yeah. That's it. Stay tuned for Jason's show. We have a title yet? From the Bottom Up. The Trending Show. Using top trending events to bring it back and see that it's not so. <laughs> the blame, the anger, the whatever, it's not, not justified. Yeah. A trending show. We may be contacting you to, to be on the trending show. <laughs> Current events meets Course in Miracles. <laughs> A provocative new show of radical healing. <laughs> I, when I was on the show back on that Sunday, I said, so let's do a show, Bottoms Up. And they said, no, David, that has too many uh, drinking associations. I wouldn't know. I've never, never, I've never really been a drinker of alcohol, so I didn't get the, oh yeah, that's right. I thought it was cute. Bottoms Up. 
did a test episode. I, some of you might have seen that uh, video of the cop uh, beating the woman's face in the sand. So I played that video for Jeffrey and Susanna just to test out my show and, and then filmed their reactions. And Jeffrey was like, well, she was resisting arrest. He warned her. I mean, what else are you going to do? Da, 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 da. And then they, they pulled out the police body cam. And I turned the camera on to Suzanne, and she's like, I can't believe I married you. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's, like, she's like, maybe this is my authority stuff, but I cannot believe he was just hammering, like total opposite. I'm like, my show is a success already. <laughs> and then I gave the third view. But it actually was even funnier. Third view. <laughs> it was even funnier, Raphael, because I, I played this other one where... Uh, what was it? The, oh, 30, yeah, the thirty-year-old that didn't yeah. want to leave his p- parents' house. <laughs> That's it, the thirty-year-old who his parents sued to make sure he would leave the house, and they even for eight years, you know, he's been there, and they even gave him eleven hundred dollars to leave, and he spent it on something else. And he's like telling the judge, "This is ridiculous. I need six months, and they can't just force. Me. They don't even do my laundry. You know, how can they force me?" <laughs> and and the woman, the newswoman's like. What would you say to people when they call you an entitled millennial? Say, I'm not entitled, you know. Da, da. So I play this video of Raphael, and he's so sweet. He's, like, <laughs> he's trying to be you with a straight face, <laughs> exactly. but it's hard. To but it was something like, no, David says, you know, that we we don't have to live in this world in a normal way. He's living in an abnormal way. That, you can't say that's insane. That's that's not fair. So I was I was recording him, and I was saying the real insanity is that he's missing the Holy Spirit's prompts to move on. It's not that the lifestyle is wrong, and so it was great just to see that because you're a millennial kind of right. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but he was empathizing a bit with with the thirty year old. So I thought we could go around and film a bunch of reactions, and then get to the truth underneath it, the real story underneath.